Welcome to the Reticle Up Podcast, where I, Three Gun Kenzie, will be interviewing competitive shooters, hunters, fishermen, archers, entrepreneurs, and outdoorsmen. Come learn with me as I interview people from all walks of life, in different disciplines, all across the world, from novices to professionals of all ages. No matter what, everyone has something they can teach you. So come join me on the journey. Hey everyone, we are back on the Red Club podcast with Paul Cunningham. He is the founder of Notch Gear and not just by himself, but with his wife, Tara, as well. Paul, how are you? I'm doing good, Kenzie. How are you? Doing great. Um, it's great everything that you do for the community, by the way, kicking this off. If you don't know about Notch Gear, um, I haven't been to a match where someone's not wearing your hat or it's not on a prize table or a giveaway swag bag. <laughs> nice. We love that. Yeah, we get We've been fortunate to have a lot of uh, competitive shooters um, sort of latch on to our product, which has been fun. And then we get requests almost on a daily basis from different matches around the country for donations and stuff. So we try to say yes as much as we can. It's awesome. I saw the AMU wears it. The Marine Corps team has them on. I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> the win. Yeah, yeah that's, that's real. I mean, of course, being a, a Marine, the Marine Corps team is uh, near and dear to my heart. So we're very honored that they would wear that and and uh yeah the, the usamu shot uh, hats have turned out really good we're happy with those they look awesome so uh yeah diving right in i actually want to know because i don't really know the full story how did you and your wife tara start notch gear so um i we've been married for 27 years we just had our 27th anniversary in march oh congrats and uh, thank you and um I had always wanted to have a patent, like invent something and take a product to market. I'm not sure why I wanted to do that. I just thought it would be cool. <laughs> and so I have a book on my bookshelf at home that Tara, being the supportive wife she is, bought me way back when we first got married called The Inventor's Desktop Companion. And it was like, you know, just like a, a guide on what to do. Because like a lot of people, I had ideas, mm -hmm. um, but I didn't do anything with them, you know. And you gotta put got them down like on paper. Journal. Yes, yeah. She got me like a journal to like journal them and stuff, and she was super supportive. And so I would I would talk about the ideas, but I didn't really, you know, follow through with action. Mm -hmm. And um, about ten years ago, I guess no, sorry, eleven years ago, um, I before that I was wearing baseball caps a lot, and I like to wear a curved brim. I can't okay. I can't pull off a flat bill even if I wanted neither, to. Neither can I. <laughs> and yeah, and I've been a lifelong Oakley customer. So I, at the time I was wearing Oakley fuel cells a lot. Okay. And my hat and my sunglasses kept interfering with each other. So I would wear my hat backwards or I would just pick between, okay, today I'll wear a hat or today I'll wear sunglasses because oh. uh, it just wasn't comfortable wearing the hat forward. Um, so one Sunday I was sitting on the couch watching golf and I saw a golfer with his hat cocked back because it was hitting his glasses. And it just sort of hit me like, man, why didn't someone notch out the bill? So I jumped off the couch and I got a pair of scissors and I grabbed my Titleist golf hat and I made my first prototype. And I was like, holy cow, that works. So, um, wow. We, uh, Tara, yeah, Tara and I started just scouring the internet to see if something was out there. Cause I sort of like, man, this, I'm a pretty normal guy. Mm -hmm. I think this, I like this product. It works for me, it's got to work for other people. Right. Um, and we searched and searched and didn't find anything. Um, and then, you know, not to go into the whole story, but. Uh, oh, that's why we're here. Pattern. We got to know. Okay. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah, found a patent attorney, did a patent search. And I thought for sure he would come back and say, now someone's already done that. Right. Um, but he came back and said it's novel and patentable. <laughs> and so we filed our emergency application right away. But what was interesting was when he sent us the results of the patent search, he sent us about a dozen existing patents that had tried to solve the same problem. Huh. And yeah, so, you know, we're, we weren't the only ones that had an idea about it. Right. Everybody else just took a different approach. So, but what was interesting is they were all sort of an awkward pairing of glasses that were just made for a hat. So you've seen those that like clip onto the underbill and they fold up and down yep. or there's one where um, there's a slit between the bill and the crown and the glasses are built into the hat and they slide up and down what? through the bill. I haven't seen those. Yeah, yeah, it's called T-cap. I think they're still around. <laughs> um, but the inherent weakness with all of those is it didn't allow the user to wear the glasses they already have. Right. And the beauty of our patent is that we just took the simplest approach possible and which no one had taken. And we said, let's just take space out of the bill to make room for them. Brilliant. Um, that was an expensive me, prototype, by the way, a Titleist hat. That's, that's yes, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, we still have it. Yeah, we still oh, have it um, somewhere. I got it. It's probably dusty somewhere. But um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so uh, we thought, you know, this will allow people to wear the glasses they already have. And uh, it kind of looks cool. And so we experiment with a lot of different shapes, sizes, just trying to make sure that we could not only make a space that accommodated eyewear, but also had a secondary function of keeping their eyewear in place and mm -hmm. and being a beautiful design so we worked hard at that and and went had to learn about the whole prototyping thing and um actually started out just wanting to license the idea so hmm. we didn't necessarily set out to be a manufacturer we we pitched the idea to all kinds of you know new era oakley under armor oh wow um, a lot of the big companies that make a lot of hats Right. And uh, FlexFit um, had some interest from FlexFit, but ultimately we kept getting no's from everybody. <laughs> Look so, at that now. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, I think we got our last no from Under Armour in like the fall of 2011. And by this time, I, I was like hand sewing prototypes and wearing them around because it was just I, it was useful for me as functional. Right. And people would stop me and be like, where did you get that hat? Where can I get one of those? And I was like, OK, we probably have something here. Mm -hmm. but we just didn't know how much. So when Under Armour said no, we said, okay, we're going we're gonna to find a manufacturer. We're going to take the product to market and just try to prove concept, uh, which is what we did. So then we had to, you know, figure that out because we didn't, I didn't have a manufacturing background. I did have a quality control background for a company that did automotive parts. So I had a little bit of manufacturing knowledge, but just enough to be dangerous, really. But not like business. Nobody like, you know, taught you how to do all of these steps, like patenting and no, and any of that. Wow. No, no, none of it. We just, we learned it. We're still learning it all as we go. Yeah. Because um, my, bat, so for the last 21 years, um, I've sold real estate. Uh, residential real estate is, is, has been my career. Um, and I've sort of been doing that in tandem with Notch as we grow. Um, so neat. Yeah. So, you know, we, we just had to learn and we made a lot of mistakes and sure. you know, made some progress and, and sort of have, have um, you know, it's, a, it's been a fun journey learning. I love that process of developing stuff and learning and, and the fact that somebody bought the hats and continues to buy them is just icing on the cake because most patents aren't profitable. Right. 
right I see a lot of patents that come up I guess in colleges where they have them but they want like students to iterate them or design them but they don't necessarily build them ever right yes yeah I think there's a lot around that as well um, which is fine I mean that's I mean sure I'm sure that there's there are spinoffs from those things that become useful technology or whatever right so this was almost like a side hustle yes. while still working yes you think it'll ever be full-time or just always continue to, to dabble and work you know both yeah. uh, I think it's going that direction I think as we um, we really made some big strides in the last year to 18 months um, and uh, so yeah I see it I see it going that direction and it's funny when I had the idea I was thinking Oh, like in a year, you know, will be huge. Mm -hmm. And um, I had to learn a lot about managing expectations. Um, and so it's, you know, it's a sort of cliche. We started it out of our garage, just Tara and I, and we were doing everything. We were sewing the hats and I love you it. Know, shipping them and doing all those things. Um, and, you know, we're, we're still, we have a long way to go, but we're, we're a lot further along um, than where we started. So. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, a lot of people don't see that compound effect of time dedicated over the years, right? They just see notch gear right. as it is now, but they have mm -hmm. no clue that what 12, 11 years have been put into this. Yes. Yeah. And it's still not where, yeah. you know, you expect, but it's, it's growing. Right. Yes. So, yeah. There's like, a lot of what, good things happen. Yeah. What was like the tipping point, I guess, where it just really ramped up? Um, I think probably when that's hard to say. I mean, I honestly, I feel like we're still waiting for a tipping point and okay. by my standards. I think we're not there yet. Like we're definitely bigger, a lot bigger than much, much bigger than we were when we started, mm -hmm. but I'm, uh, I have pretty high expectations for the brand. So I feel like that's still coming, but I will tell you that, you know, when COVID hit last year in the spring, nobody really knew what to expect. Um, it sort of caught everybody by surprise. So we, we sent all of our team members home uh, to work from home and, and paid them to work from home and uh, weren't quite sure what this would bring. And we're sort of bracing for the worst. Yeah. And then we went on to have the best month we'd ever had in the history. Besides we went on Fox and friends a few years ago and that was a spectacular month, oh, that's but cool. uh, yeah, but uh, besides that, it was our highest grossing month ever. So as quickly as we could, we brought everybody back and, and it really hasn't slowed down since. So awesome. Uh, but like you said, it's like those, um, those, I'm actually reading that book tipping point right now. Yep. Um, and it's all these little things that sort of just build the momentum to the point where then it, everything spills over. And, and, but I, you know, you always hear about, it's easy to look at other brands that started around the same time that you did. And, you know, some of them aren't around anymore and some of them are way bigger. Right. Um, so it's really interesting. Like you, you have to try not to compare because um, we don't know their backstory. Um, you know, we don't, we don't have investors are just Tara and I, and we've, you know, sort of done all this, just the two of us. Um, and we've been fortunate to, to be able to do that, but it's hard not to compare yourself to those other brands. Um, but you look at from the outside looking in, you think, wow, that's, that's really impressive. Um, but we are where we are. And I'm, I don't know that I want to explode really per se. We've been sort of the old fashioned, slow and steady building a grassroots following with our, with our customers, mm -hmm. providing a great innovative product and world-class customer service. 
like those are the things that we that we focus on yep and we know like the results will come if you do it enough Absolutely. Um, and that's kind of rare in our industry. I won't bash other companies at all, but the communication <laughs> and the customer service um, yes. is the differentiating factor, I think, in a lot of products. Yes. Far. Yeah. Because I mean, our thing is like, I, as I'm a consumer and I know how I want to be treated. And so we work hard to, to provide that for every customer. We have an amazing team here that does a really good job at doing that for yeah. us and with us. I want to talk a little bit about the design actually. Um, so what makes this notch like so special? I don't know for people watching, not listening to the podcast, but this is the notch and comes with patches, which I have a whole patch yes. ball. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. unique. So what makes this so special? So the, the, what makes it the most special is if someone likes to wear a curb brim hat and they're tired of their hat, pushing their glasses down onto their nose, those little notches there it's it's less than an inch and a half square inches of space that we took away but it allows them to pull that hat down over their glasses and they don't they don't have that discomfort anymore they're sort of it's like they're made for each other um and so uh nobody else out there has anything like it um it's again it's almost embarrassing how simple it is but it's <laughs> super effective you know um, so that's the main thing. Second thing I think would be our quality. Um, we really focus hard on uh, delivering the highest possible quality product we can. Mm -hmm. um, every hat that goes out gets fussed over. So when we when we ship our orders every day, we part of our standard issue equipment is we have tweezers and scissors and, and lint rollers, wow. and every hat gets fussed over before we send it out. I didn't because know that's that. how we would. Yes, that's how we would want to receive it when we get it. Right. Um, even our large wholesalers, we do the same thing. Um, so wow. we are really fanatical about quality. We've got a big stacks of boxes of hats that maybe they had, they came from the manufacturer with a, a minor blemish or a thread that had popped out. Um, for the most part, we don't, you know, we, we just keep those and we write them off. We don't want to send those out. Wow. Um, so yeah, we're pretty picky. That's awesome. Um, I want to talk about this material too, uh, real quick before you share. It's probably not what yes. you're supposed to do, but I sweat a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wash my hats every single week that I get back from a match and I hang them up to dry at least, but I've had this for probably a year, two years. Gosh, I don't even know how long, not a seam out of, out of touch and everything is still perfect the way it was. Yes. Yeah. That's the, that's our athlete operator, Navy gold. Um, so that particular one, we actually have discontinued, um, but we have three other variations of it. And that's a, I don't, as far as I can tell, I haven't seen it in the marketplace, uh, but it's a performance operator. Um, there's lots of operators out there, but this is made specifically for shooters out there on the course or at the range. And uh, we actually, uh, the first one we made was uh, black with red stitching and we co-designed it with Jana Reeves. So I don't know if you know oh, who she yes. is or. I wish she was still shooting. Yeah. She was actually inspirational to me getting started. I've never met her, but I know who she is. Really? <laughs> so. She's super nice. She's super nice. And she was kind enough. We didn't know in, you know, we didn't know her and she just ordered some hats from our site. <sighs> and at the time had a very large following and was posting and tagging us. And, and we were so grateful. And so, we uh, we co-designed that hat with her and it did really well. So we we've 
introduced other color options along the way. I love but it. it's a really lightweight, breathable fabric and it's super color fast. So like you said, you can throw it in the machine and it's virtually not going to fade. Yeah, it's been awesome. I definitely uh, put my hats through the ringer. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And you're not alone. Everybody's sweats in their hats. So whether they want to admit it or not. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so you're talking a little bit about that reward of like having people come up to you and talk about where they can get that hat. What is that feeling when someone like makes a purchase that's a complete stranger, like you said, like for all of that work put in, what does that feel like as an entrepreneur? It's deeply gratifying. Um, it's deeply gratifying because, you know, we, we had invested a lot of time and money before we ever sold a single hat. And I'm sort of a low risk person by nature. I don't even really consider myself an entrepreneur at heart. I mean, I, I like to work hard and I like to, you know what I mean? Well, I don't know. It's like a term that people throw around a lot. Today, yeah, that's you know? true. That's true. I'm just a guy that had an idea and I like to work hard and I want to make the idea happen. We'll just call Tara the entrepreneur. No, I'm just kidding. Tara is the entrepreneur. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so it's really gratifying because we had invested all this time and money and hadn't sold a single hat. And it's kind of scary because like, wow, what if, what if I'm the only one that likes this? <laughs> um, so when we started, we had five styles. And they were all pretty generic, just, you know, sort of classic designs. Um, none of them were operators. Mm. Uh, and we started selling hats right away. And we, we had some stores locally that were kind enough to carry them. And, and they cool. still, you know, eight years later are selling them and restocking all the time. That's amazing. Um, and yeah, right away, we started getting emails. When are you going to make an operator version? Because uh, in my mind, I thought we would sort of make inroads in the golf market first, which okay. is, you know, I had the idea of watching golf uh, and that's what I specifically had it in mind for, but just sort of organically, it works great with shooting glasses and um, just organically that market has, has um, really embraced the product uh, in a big way. So you so never planned a, for that market like at all? No, no, not at all. Wow. It was totally unexpected. Yeah. And in hindsight, that probably would have been, you know, made more sense to focus there first, but we, you know, didn't have a crystal ball. <laughs> so we made our first operator, which was a tan operator, and it was a pretty terrible version of it, but we still sold the tar out of them. And wow. we're like, okay, we better make more of these. So we made more and we, I think we added the black operator next, uh, just to, to, to adjustable styles and then started to build from there. And, and now we have like 30 plus operator styles and 60 something styles you know overall yeah so, oh yeah just oh i was gonna say do you want to touch on too um the ponytail hats for women yes yes yeah so we started getting requests for that and i'd love to take credit for that but that's actually an old patent so so that was somebody that was a patent yes so a lot of people may not know but when you get a utility patent they last 21 years but then after that point then it's public domain Hmm. Um, so we still have quite a few years left with our patent, uh, before it's public. So it still belongs to us, but hmm. that ponytail slot there was patented and I believe it expired in the early part of this, uh, like the early two thousands. Um, so okay. it's about public domain now, but, and there's different versions of the ponytail, but we thought that one was the most understated and, um, subtle, um, uh, and consistent with our design. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, we, introduced it because of you know so that's another thing that i'm glad you touched on that we get lots of requests like really almost daily like hey can you make this hat can you make that hat and we want to make them all but 
you right. also have to be careful and make sure that you're making something that enough people will want to buy. Especially retail um, and sizing. Yes. I mean, all that's so important. You have stock, you have to sell an inventory. <laughs> it is, it is. And so we started getting a lot of requests for ponytail hats and um, the, uh, it was, so it was kind of a no brainer. So we made just some generic, we actually bought some generic blanks from another brand and, and rebranded them as our own just to test real quick. And they were very well embraced. So we, we went ahead and made our own branded line nice. with one of our manufacturers and they're doing great. You just dove straight in. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. One of the few times where like, usually I'm the holdup when it comes mm -hmm. to like new products and getting, you know, moving the ball down the field for new styles, um, just because it's, there's only so many hours in a day and sometimes product development and the development cycle takes the back seat. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, but this one, we jumped right on it and, and really Tara was the big driver on, on that. Um, and it, it was a great idea. I mean, your ponytail, you know, it doesn't tell you that you need, <laughs> you need a hat. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I'm, I'm wearing what it's, it's uh, behind. You can't see it. Cause of, no, <laughs> never had one. I, I don't think I, I don't have enough. I have less hair every day. So I don't know if I have <laughs> enough for one. Oh, that's funny. My dad tells me that his gray hair is because of me. I don't, I'd like to do that. <laughs> that's right. That's uh, right. Well, okay. So you having all this experience, if someone listening out there is wanting to develop, say a retail product, um, what mm -hmm. would be like the best piece of advice or a couple of pieces of advice that would help them kind of, you know, cut the learning curve down? Sure. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing would be passion isn't enough. Um, you know, passion is definitely not enough. You need to make sure that there's at least a reasonable expectation that there's going to be demand for your product. Um, so uh, I read a book a long time ago and it was a, when I was a kid, I think, and it was about Thomas Edison. And he, you know, obviously invented tons of things, but a lot of the stuff he invented, there just wasn't a use for. Mm -hmm. um, and there was like one particular story about that. And it just taught me a lesson about like, you, if you're going to make something you want to make something that people need or, or would want. So do, do some due diligence, do market research, um, get, a, get a small focus group of people that you don't know that won't tell you what you want to hear. Yep. And um, you know, pay them each 25 bucks or 50 bucks for their time and get feedback and, and try to predict if there's a product market fit uh, for what you're wanting to make. Um, and even if a small percentage of them have an affinity for the product, then, you know, that's, that's your sort of validation that you might be moving in the right direction. That's, that's the big thing. Cause a lot of people, whether it's a restaurant or whatever, they might start something they're passionate about and that's good. And it's a necessary component, but it's definitely not enough. You got to right. make sure there's going to be demand. Do you think that, um, like the 80, 20% rule really comes into effect when it comes to like notch gear, do you have like a really loyal, you know, like 20%, and then it still grows a little bit in the AD, but. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a, there's a, a small group that, um, and it's growing of customers that have five, 10, 30 notch hats, which is just like, again, super gratifying that people like, cause they're, they work hard for their money, you know? Yeah. And the fact that they would spend their hard and money on, on your product is pretty humbling, but. <laughs> So yeah, I think so. There's this, there's that core, they're like the diehard and it's weird. Cause you like, don't even know what to do with it. Cause it's almost like they love it more than, than we do, you know? Right. So um, it's interesting, but, uh, and then there's those people that are just sort of testing us out and 
not quite sure about us and they'll buy one and test it out. And, and yeah. for a lot of people it works for some people, it doesn't, that's okay. There's no, there's no product out there that's for everybody. Right. You know, right. some people are diehard iPhone people and some people are diehard <laughs> Samsung people. And so not even a product as ubiquitous as an iPhone is for everybody. Right. Right. And you would think, oh, it's just a hat. Uh, I'm here to tell you it's a game changer though. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, and Thank I, you. and I have to have every color because it has to match the outfit and the patch. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what, yeah, exactly. You need one for every day of the week or maybe every month of the, every day of the month. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Every match. Um, there you go. So tell me a little bit about the, the children's hunger fund. I know you do a lot with them. Um, do you want to share what notch gear does working with them? I'd love to. That'd be great. I'm glad you asked that. Um, so we, uh, part of my life and well, part of Tara and I's marriage since we were, even before we were married, we've always enjoyed giving and helping people and just part of what we do. And it's been a part of our DNA and, and it gives us a lot of joy. Um, and so, you know, we wanted to be able to do, to, to start from the very beginning with Notch and making it more than just selling a product, but also uh, have the ability to, to, to have a product that people want that you can sell to them and then take part of that and do some good. Um, and so there, there's so much need out there. I mean, it's just unbelievable how much need there is. And um, we chose hunger as, as what we wanted to support because every day uh, about 20,000 kids die of preventable disease and hunger. Uh, which is a crazy number, you know, it's, yeah. it's hard to wrap your mind around that. Um, and so we thought, you know, for me, it's like triage. It's like, let's, let's meet the most urgent need first, if we can. And even if we can make a small dent. Right. Um, so from the very beginning, we, uh, we drew inspiration from some other brands that there's a lot of brands that do social entrepreneurship and, and do good. And that's great. Um, and we said, you know, this will give us hopefully in the long term, the ability to make a difference on a greater scale than we could on our own, just the two of us. Right. So um, started with the very first hat we sold and uh, we found Children's Hunger Fund through, uh, I was actually reading a book at the time uh, by a guy that referenced them in his book. So I was like, oh, it's interesting. I'll look at them and uh, they're like rock stars in the charity world. So for every hundred dollars you give, $99 goes straight to the need which is wow. pretty unheard of almost. yeah so because uh, you know there's lots of charities out there where the numbers are horrible it's like right. a very very small part of it goes to the end user so um other than tackle a whole nother monster and and make our own 501c3 mm -hmm. nonprofit, we thought let's partner with someone who's already doing a fantastic job um so we partnered with them and um at the time when we started out, it was every hat provided five meals. And it wasn't a meal in the sense that you and I think about, we're going to sit down and eat lunch. It was more like an emergency nutrition pack sort right. of thing for someone who was in, you know, who was not, you know, may, maybe dying soon if they didn't get nutrition, basically. Right. Um, so uh, we started out, you know, kind of slow, but um, making, you know, making our quarterly donations with them and and it's just grown. We restructured it recently about a year ago. Now every hat provides one meal. Um, still the same amount, uh, dollar amount per hat that we're giving them. It's just a different structure and it's a more substantial meal. Nice. Um, yeah, but to date we've provided, uh, I think it's about 560,000 meals that we've what? provided. 
since we launched. Yeah, so we're pretty jump. proud of that. Yeah, um, and what's cool about them is they um, they don't really take credit for all the stuff they do. They they empower the local church, and so wherever they're delivering food or aid, sometimes it's medical, like medicine. Um, in in our case, it's food, mm -hmm. but wherever they deliver it, whether it's you know Guatemala or um, you know, Sierra Leone or wherever they might be, or even in the US, they don't deliver the, the food directly to the people that need it. They, they give it to the local church and the local church delivers it, which I think is a cool model. That is neat. Um, yeah, they're, they're pretty awesome. So, um, and we've, we've developed a neat relationship with them and very happy to, that they let us come on board. I have to ask, have you visited any of these places and seen your impact at all? We haven't. So we've gone, we have gone on mission trips before my wife and I and our kids um, to the Dominican. Uh, and so we've been in situations where it's starkly different than anything we had ever seen or, or grown up around. Um, and um, so, but we haven't, it's one of our goals is to, to make a trip with CHF and make that connection even further. We have made a trip out They're They're headquartered out of Silmar, California. Okay. So we have made a trip out and packed some boxes with them and got okay. to shake their hand and meet them and stuff. And so that was fun. Um, but uh, we, I, we really want to get that on our, like, in the next year or two, make a partner trip with them. That's amazing. Uh, a lot of people don't know uh, when they hear the word social entrepreneurship, and hopefully you can define it too, they always think nonprofit. Like you said, we have to create a 501c3, but hey, that's not the case. There are a lot of companies out there, like you said, that are doing good with a for-profit business um, right. and partnering is one of those, you know, impactful things. So I don't know if you want to share anything else on that. You know, if you build a company, how to do that? Yeah. Um, well, it, it's, there's no, I don't think there's a one particular model that necessarily fits everything, but um, there's a company called project seven and a guy named Tyler Merrick. That's the founder of project seven. Who's been a huge inspiration to us. Um, awesome guy and they've they've uh gone through some evolution as a company but um they've had products in every starbucks in the country every target in the country every one in the country often on different products that they've done and they're really now getting a lot more into the the keto friendly low carb low sugar candy um which is he's doing some incredible innovation around that but i had found out about them before we started notch so um I'm not a really, I'm not afraid to talk to new people and just make a call and talk to someone I've never talked to before. So a hard skill. Yeah. So when I called him, I just cold called him and said, Hey, we're, this was like nine years ago. I'm like, Hey, we're starting this company. Really? It's awesome. We think it's awesome what you're doing. How do you structure it? Like, how do we know how much we can give and stay open and right. you know, be profitable and grow so that we can do more and more of it? And he said the same thing is like, there's really not like, I can't give you a number because every product's different, your margins, you know, that's part of the equation. Right. Um, but uh, so I guess what I would say is it is possible. And the reason I like that model is, you know, when you have kids, like you do have, you have to do a lot of fundraising when they're in sports and stuff. And nobody hates asking people for money more <laughs> than I do. Like, I don't, I didn't like going like, Hey, do you want to buy my kids candles or you know, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, so the neat thing about this model is you don't have to ask anybody for money. You just you give them a product that they're excited to buy and they pay you money for it. And then you take part of that and you do something awesome with it. It's so neat.
That's really yeah. cool. Thanks. I love when entrepreneurs share information, right? Sometimes they're so near and dear to holding on to this information when it can help others. Right. Um, I think that's really amazing that you found someone to do that. <laughs> yeah. And, and so he's still, uh, we stay in touch and uh, through the years, he's mentored me a little bit and I'm really respectful of his time. I mean, I might contact him once or twice a year, if even that, um, wow. but he's always so responsive and like, man, how can I help? And which is pretty incredible. Um, and so we're this, we, we want to be the same way. Like, you know, um, there's a lot of people out there that want to help you, but want to charge you lots of money for it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, we're big on not being afraid to ask for help not being afraid to admit that there's stuff you don't know. Right. Um, and then hopefully we'll be able to like help people in some way, you know, like even if it's just a, that little tip that helps them or whatever. Right. Oh, you already touched on it. Um, you just said, you know, there's always something to learn there. It goes back to asking for help, asking the mm -hmm. questions and not being afraid to say, I don't know. How right. do I do that? Right. A lot of people don't do that. And that's when they stop growing mm -hmm. for sure <laughs> really quickly. Um, so I want to switch gears a little bit. You mm -hmm. mentioned at the beginning. So tell me a little bit about uh, being in the Marine Corps. I don't know enough about military stuff. So if you want to share like <laughs> what you did in the military, how long sure. you were in for and all of that. Yeah, you bet. I graduated high school in 1988. Um, so joined the Marines right out of high school. Uh, I'm the youngest of seven and none of my siblings went into military. That was from a divorce and remarriage. Oh gosh. So okay. I always say like, we were like, we were like the Brady Bunch, just way more dysfunctional. <laughs> um, but, uh, my dad was in the Air Force in the 50s during the Korean War. He didn't deploy over to Korea, but um, so he was really the only person in the family. My uncle uh, was in the Army in World War II, mm. um, but uh, none of my siblings had, had ever expressed interest that I know of in the military, and I really wasn't interested either, mm. but uh, a good friend of mine one day announced to me that he was going to go talk to the Marine Corps recruiter, and I was like, what are you doing? Like, I'm going to go with you to make sure you don't get bamboozled by this guy. You know? <laughs> what? This is Before how it happened. It. Yeah, this is how it happened. I came away happen. like, I want to join the Marines too. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I signed up early when I was 17. I had to get my parents to co-sign for me and then went through my senior year, went to boot camp. Um, and fortunately, I tested pretty good on the, on the ASVAB, which is like the standards, like the SATs for, for military mm -hmm. aptitude. And um, I was an air traffic controller in the Marine Corps. So Neat. went through boot camp in San Diego. And um, my A school was in NAS Millington, which is just out of, outside of Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, okay. And now, now it's uh, shared. It's in, uh, it's in Florida. They moved it just after I left to Florida. Nice and warm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then, uh, so I, I got stationed in Yuma at the Marine Corps station here in 89 and um, worked in the radar room. Uh, as an air traffic controller there for a little bit and then transitioned up to the tower and spent the rest of my three years up in the tower. Very so, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very challenging profession for sure. It was, uh, but it was <laughs> a good about, time. What about the boot camp? Like how challenging was that? <laughs> or basic? <laughs> yeah. So that's the other thing. Like my siblings and my parents too, my dad and my stepmom were like, they weren't sure about this. Cause I was, I was kind of like the spoiled youngest that didn't really want to do anything for myself. <laughs> didn't have much work ethic. So I think they were pretty concerned. Like it's probably just going to like, like bounce out of boot camp. Right. Um, and, and I, so I went in, not really, my recruiter did a really good job of setting expectations. So I will say that he was <laughs> Staff Sergeant Ryden. Was oh, my you recruiter. remember? Yeah, okay. sure. He was an awesome guy. 
And he did a really good job of, of preparing us to, to the best of his ability, I guess, and setting expectations. Um, but what was weird was, um, you know, for all the branches, I think we can un unarguably say it's the most difficult training um, besides special forces. It's longer, it's more intense, you know, more demanding in just about every way. Um, and, you know, whether or not my other service members would agree um, doesn't really concern me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, I kept wondering, like, when is this going to get as hard as I thought it was going to be? Like, for whatever reason, I, I excelled and I, I actually was a squad leader and got meritoriously promoted out of boot camp. Which was interesting because my my recruiter, I don't know if it's the same way now, but at the time, if you know, so I've signed up. If I refer two other people to him that sign up, you get an automatic promotion. That's how it was back then. Really? So instead okay. of coming out of boot camp as a private, you come out as a, a private first class, which is not that big of a deal anyway. Mm -hmm. But it's it's one pay grade up. Sure. And um, he was going to give me my second referral so I could just be promoted. He's like, no. He's like, you're going to get meritorious promoted. I know you, I know you're going to, uh, <laughs> I was like, wow, that's cool. So, um, so sure enough, I, I became third squad leader and I got fired once and I got back in the position and stayed there the rest of boot camp. But it was, it was very challenging in a lot of ways, but not quite as hard as I was expecting to be. And I think that's because you did a, a really good job at preparing me. Awesome. Um, the worst part far and away was the swim qualifications. Where, I was waiting for that. Couldn't yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah, swim falls were were pretty horrible, but uh, uh, I failed them the first time around, and uh, had to sort of do like the secondary version of it, was which was actually harder. Of I'm course. not sure why. Of course. But uh, but I made it through. So I can't even go to California and uh, surf with a wetsuit on and not be cold. So <laughs> the Pacific's always cold. We're going to San Diego for a week next month, and uh, and it's the the water is never warm. So. Mm -mm. Florida was yeah. a good choice. <laughs> yes, for sure. I love it. Were, um, were there any programs available like when you were active duty or when you became a veteran uh, to start a business like specifically for veterans or? So yes, but I wasn't aware of them. Okay. Um, so uh, the SBC has, you know, loans that are tailored for veterans and resources. There's actually, um, I haven't done it for a, a little while, but up until earlier this year, once a quarter, I would go on base here at the Marine Corps Air Station Yuma and the SBC has a, a program called Boots to Business, and it's Marines that are getting out of the Marine Corps transition to civilian life, and it's really like a, almost like an entrepreneurial 101 on, you know, what to look for, what to do, and so they were, you know, I would get to go in and, and talk to the Marines about my experience with Notch, um, and then they'd have other people with, like, they'd have a financial guy that was like, here's how you do your books, and these other things. Right. Um, so if they had those resources when I was, you know, just getting out, I wasn't aware of them, but there was a, so I got out in 92, but then I had a sort of a long journey of other things between that before, you know, it was almost 20 years after I got out that, that right. we started Notch. So, right. um, and I guess uh, we were really fortunate that, um, we, you know, my real estate business had done pretty well. So we were able to, to self-fund the the startup um which so is that, amazing to not have an investor didn't mean to interrupt but yes like you have no idea what an investor can hold yeah. over you or take from yes. your side oh oh yeah i can't imagine so that was a big that was a huge blessing like not 
not having to rely on anybody, you know, it was still, it, it was scarier, you know, the, all the risk is on you. True. Um, True. But um, so we didn't really, honestly, I didn't even think to look for those resources because we were fortunate enough to, not that we just had like money, you know, sure. growing on trees or anything, but we had it, we had enough that we could start it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for people listening, do you know where they can find some of these um, programs? Uh, one of the ones I'll mention too is Entrepreneurship Bootcamp for Veterans. Um, with mm-hmm. disabilities. So that one's specific there. I used to do the marketing sessions, of course, for that. Oh, wow. That's yeah. cool. So I met That's a cool. lot of people and I did their marketing for a little bit afterwards, but it's crazy the connections that you can make, um, you know, active duty or whether they're veterans or like you said, you were out 20 years, right. but even then you're still a veteran that can take advantage of some of these resources. Absolutely. Yeah. So I would check out the SBA for sure. Um, they have resources because I think I said SBC earlier, but I meant SBA. SBA yeah. So the SBA has is the one that actually runs the boots to business program. And it's, it's not just, it's nationwide. As far as I understand, they've, they've got the program, um, on, on a lot of bases. So, uh, they would probably have some resources for, uh, not only that, but just, you know, financing resources for, for low interest loans, that sort of thing. So I would check out the SBA for sure. Cool. And that's for, I mean, people that just have an idea and people Mm -hmm. that kind of are just getting started with their business do it. You know, you don't have to have it all together. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you you can start with shockingly little, you know, they talk about the MVP the minimum viable product. You know, you, you don't have, you don't have to have it perfect to start. Um, and like you and I were chatting before I, the, the started and I said, you know, action trumps everything. Um, and so it's better to do something imperfectly than nothing perfectly. So you just got to get started. Absolutely. Um, so for the real estate portion, I haven't asked this yet. Yeah. You have a, like when you were transitioning out of the military, um, did you plan to go into real estate? Was that like always the, the job kind of line up for you or? No. Um, no. So I, after post Marine Corps, I worked a lot of different jobs. I waited tables. I tellered at a bank. Um, nice. I did construction. I did so many different things. Um, never afraid to get my hands dirty. Um, but I, I also took advantage of the GI bill and went to school. Um, so ended up getting my degree. It took me six years because uh, I was working full, you know, mostly full time while I was wow. going to school because that was pre 9-11. So the pre 9-11 GI bill was a much smaller entitlement than the current post 9-11 GI Bill, and uh, which is fine. But um, so I worked a lot of different jobs while I was going through school and, and Tara and I were married for most of that time. You know, we, we married young. And um, so she would work and I would work and we went to school. Um, and the plan was uh, I was gonna become a dentist actually. <laughs> I can't picture this. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, and Tara was going to become a hygienist, which she actually did. She was successful. It turns out I wasn't smart enough to get into dental school. Wait, Uh, you got rejected? Yes, many times. Crazy For people listening, like think about where you're at now. Like rejection is honestly a good thing sometimes, right? (laughs) And honestly, I'm so thankful I didn't make it in dental school because in retrospect, I would not have been happy as a dentist. Right. Uh, and that's no disrespect to dentists. I mean, I, there's some that are amazing and I'm sure they're very fulfilled, but yeah, I don't think I could have been tied to a chair all day because um, I like to be doing different things. So, um, so after like two years of um, applying for dental school and getting rejected, I flew to four interviews. The closest I got, I got an alternate spot at Oregon Health Sciences University, hmm. but uh, never got a call. Um, 
so by this time I'm like almost 30 um, mm -hmm. and we haven't had kids yet but we're you know those are on the horizon and I'm like okay I have to find a career <laughs> and um, in a very short period of time three different people none of whom knew each other it was like a four-day period it was really weird they were like hey have you thought about real estate and the first person who said it, I was like no I don't I haven't thought about real estate and I don't want to think about real estate <laughs> and um, my dad had been in sales and was very successful in what he did and he always told me, he's like, Paul, you should go into sales. You'd be a natural. And mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't want to, I love my dad and he, you know, he's a great man, but I just, I, I didn't seem like he was that happy at what he did sometimes. So I was like, I don't, I don't want to be in sales and I don't want to work for a big company. Those were the two, my two, anything else is fine. Right. Um, <laughs> but uh, after the third person said, Hey, have you thought about real estate? I said, okay, maybe I should look at this. And at the time, my father-in-law and, and my soon-to-be broker, um, they had gone to high school together. So my father was like, "Well, go have lunch with them and, and talk to them and see what you think." And and he came away and you know explained a lot about it, you know, to me and told me about you know the potential income and earnings if you worked hard. And right. I knew I wasn't afraid to work hard. Um, so you know, went home and talked to Tara about it and pretty much jumped right in. And that was that was in I started in. 2000 got my license in 2000 wow um and uh have enjoyed it it's been a it's been a great career so um a lot of people when they hear sales right or real estate agents they're probably thinking of like really pushing people or mm -hmm. really trying to sell 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 in it for them right um this is a testament to you and and Tara for sure but like you are you care about the people you actually want to see their dream come true right that's probably what they saw in you when they come to like sales of like this is this is what you're meant to do is impact people yeah. Not about the money or, or whatever. Right. But, um, I think that's powerful. And a lot of people don't realize that about sales. Yeah, for sure. Well, and the other thing that attracted me to real estate was it, it wasn't, it's not a hard sell. Like right. people need to buy, they need a house to live in. So it's not <laughs> like I'm having to work really hard to sell them something. My, I always have always viewed my job is um, to listen to what they need, communicate with them, give them great communication because that's, I mean, again, like what would I want as a consumer and just oh, yeah. give that to them, but also just, you know, guiding them through the transaction and giving them the best advice possible. It's the stressful. rest of it. Yeah. The rest of it takes care of itself. You don't really have to sell them the house per se. <laughs> They're going to find the house that they want. Right. Or, you know, if you're listing it, same thing. It's, it's just, you know, being there for them, communicating with them, giving them great advice and the rest takes care of itself. I think that's applicable to almost everything too. Yes, it is. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. Um, do you have, it's still going back to the military too, maybe looking back now, do you have any advice maybe for uh, active duty or veterans on making a plan before, you know, transitioning out? <laughs> um, I guess I would say, um, again, you know, find something, you know, it's cliche to say this, but find something you think you can enjoy. Um, you know, life's too short to be drudging away at something that you don't enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, so, but also be smart about it. Like, uh, make sure that you're looking at career paths that, that aren't going to be phased out by technology in the next mm -hmm. five, 10, 15 years. Um, so, and, and also, you know, think about where you want to geographically, where you want to be and what sort of industry there is or jobs there are. And that's um, almost changing now too. With it, it really is. Yeah. So 
you hear a lot about the STEM, you know, science, um, technology, engineering, math. So don't forget the know, arts, those... STEAM. No. Oh, is it STEAM? STEAM now, yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. I, honestly, I'm I'm already out of date. But um, you know, those areas are there's there's going to be demand for a long time. Yeah. Um, so you know, learn a skill for a lot of people. Fortunately, in the military, a lot of their skills, even whether they realize it or not, can translate to the civilian world. Oh yeah. So you know, I guess that'd be another big thing is you know as long as you enjoy doing what you're doing in the in the military uh look for applications in the civilian world sometimes there are gaps in the market uh where it's not that your skill set isn't even really being used but there's a gap in the market that it can it can fill so yeah civilian uh, life is completely different for sure <laughs> yes yeah it is it's it's uh, such a different culture. It's a hard transition for some people. I was only in for four years, so it was still interesting process transitioning, especially going from the Marine Corps to college was right. a pretty big shock to the system. <laughs> You're but, like uh, with children a little bit sometimes too. Yes, I've seen anything. Yes. I have no clue what's happening in the real world. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But um, the people that have spent 20, 23, 20, or 22, 24 years, you know, that I can't imagine how how much of a challenge that would be to transition to civilian life. Oh yeah. What about um, like finding companies, you know, to work with that are veteran friendly, like and you employ veterans yourself. How important is that? You know, even with culture. Yeah. Um, so when, when we have, we've employed several veterans in the past, we're actually um, at a point where we don't have veterans working for us right now, besides myself. Um, but uh, cause it's both of them have, you know, gone onwards and upward, which is great. Yeah. Um, but uh there are, I think there are a lot of uh, companies out there that are interested in hiring veterans because they can bring a lot to the table in terms of their skill set and, you know, just some of the basics like showing <laughs> up on time or early, you know, the stuff early. that just seems like it would be just <laughs> automatic isn't necessarily automatic, you mm -hmm. know, so, um, and, you know, the leadership skills, those whole, you know, those, a lot of those will translate into the workforce and civilian life, you know, oh, 100%. punish in private, praise in public, those, you know, those basic principles that they teach you. Absolutely. And respecting leadership and all of that. I just, mm -hmm. yeah, the, the perspective alone, I'm learning a lot, especially because we're in the firearms industry, right? And the military have a whole lot more experience than I do. Right. So I'm yes. learning a lot every day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so going back to Notch Gear 2, uh, do you want to talk about some of the partnerships with, that you've made with, I know HK is one of them, Wiley yeah. X, like how did yes. those happen? Um, so HK, do you know JD Williams? Oh yeah. JD's yeah. good buddy. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. So JD's on uh, HK's shooting team and uh, he sponsored us for, or we sponsored him rather, um, <laughs> like early on in our, in our journey and he's such an awesome guy. Yep. and uh, been a great supporter and so he made the intro um, to the apparel guy wow. at uh, at HK and um, I think they had even heard of us before which is also like kind of a, a little Thank bit of you. a thrill it's like wow that's cool right um, so we we did some hats for them and they liked them and they reordered and they've actually added a second style since then so cool. um, and then Wiley X uh, actually reached out to us uh, believe it or not which is really cool I believe it uh, yeah I mean it's it's <laughs> I believe it too. It's just kind of, it's fun, you know, when those things happen, you know, like they found us, we didn't find them, but, um, right. uh, and then we've done, of course, the army marksmanship unit was, uh, was a cool one. 
Yeah. Um, we've done some, not directly, but through uh, one of our wholesale partners, we've done some has for Cummins diesel, which is pretty cool. Oh. Like a lot of like little, not little, but um, a lot of big companies actually, but um, so far still on a relatively small scale, but mm-hmm. it still just helps us, you know, get that recognition and sort of legitimize, legitimizes the brand. Right. Um, and there's a couple that we're really excited about. We can't say who they are yet, but they're <laughs> bigger, you know, bigger than ones we've done before. And um, so we're super excited about those and, you know, obviously looking for more opportunities to, to co-brand and partner with other brands. And, and we have a licensing deal that works. So you know, that cool. whole, going back to where we talked about wanting to license. Where you wanted to be. Yeah. Yeah. So that one is, is um, fully executed and in the works. And again, I can't say who it is, but most people in, in your community would know who they are. That's um, okay. So that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, okay. JD, had you ever met him in person before sponsoring him? No, no, I hadn't met him in person. It was just through social media. And then so uh, me too. Yeah. Cause I was wondering like companies that make these connections, it's the power of social media for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but like how have those ambassadors or sponsor tutors like helped you grow as well? Um, a lot through their content and just their followers, you know, um, we'll get orders from people and they'll say, Hey, I saw so-and-so wearing your hat, you know, uh, and you've been an awesome supporter, by the way, let me just <laughs> say that, that you've been so consistent. We really appreciate that. Oh. And your content's great. Thank you. Um, so people see that and, um, and it helps spread the word. And then that person, someone else, they know like where'd you get that hat and they want it so it has this ripple effect absolutely um but uh so that's a big one and then you know uh like with jd you know making that intro to a big brand like hk was was really kind of him and so valuable uh, for us so we're anytime jd needs anything jd gets what he needs (laughs) (laughs) oh man uh and you guys went to okay shot show Mm -hmm. was that your first ever second ever what what number shot show that was our second that was our second. We were on the waiting list for like four years uh, for a booth. And what's funny about that, also let me back up. So yeah, I met JD for the first time at SHOT Show, the same show I met uh, that we met face-to-face. Okay. Um, and uh, it was great seeing you in the booth and looking forward to seeing you in the booth. Are you going this year? I hope so. Um, I have okay. an energy level that I can't contain. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Um, but uh, well, we'd love to see you if you're coming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh so we were on the waiting list for like four years and um all, one day i get a call from someone at shot show and they're like hey we're gonna take you off the waiting list if you don't do something and i'm like well how what? how can i i don't even what are you talking about i don't know what to do and she's like well what category are you in or she told me what category we we're in i was like no that's not the correct category we're this category and she's like oh well let me let me switch you over. And like within days, we got the invite yes. to, to purchase a booth. So, um, you know, it's timing just working out yeah. uh, in, in that case. But um, so we, we, our first one was in 2019. Mm-hmm. How impactful is Shot Show for companies like yours? It's been very impactful and successful for us. Um, uh, it's really gratifying, again, where you just walk, you see people walk in the show floor that have your hat on and their customers and you've never met them and they've never met you and they're really excited that you're there and you're really excited that they're there. Um, <laughs> yep. And so, you know, making those connections has been good, um, but also just getting on the radar for larger brands. Like we've had 
some extraordinarily large brands like stop by their booth and talk to you. And that's really cool. Um, but well, the, I think the biggest thing so far is we've picked up a lot of overseas accounts, um, oh, neat. with, uh, with shot show, uh, we had some before, but, um, a lot of the Asian countries like South Korea, um, Thailand, Japan, some European countries, because in a lot of those countries, gun ownership isn't legal. Right. Um, so for them, the next best thing is Milsim or Airsoft. And cool. so they like to gear up and, and do the whole thing just like we do. Um, and so that's been, a, that's been a growing market for us, for sure. And um, every time we've gone to shot, we've added overseas dealers that continue to, to reorder in, in bigger numbers. So neat. And uh, for those listening, uh, we're doing a little bit of airsoft nowadays with the ammo shortage. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, do you know Rick Hogg from Warhog? I don't. Tactical. Yeah. He's a former special forces guy. Really nice guy. Him and Mark Kelly with Kelly Defense um, are really awesome guys, both supporters of us. And um, Rick's done some cool videos on uh, on on training, just drills with airsoft. You know, it's just it's very practical. Oh yeah, um, and inexpensive, um, and and it has carryover to, you know, to an actual firearm. So yeah, there's, you know, some people make fun of it or whatever, but it's what's crazy is people, you know, some of these airsoft rifles are two thousand, three thousand bucks. Expensive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's better than dry fire. <laughs> exactly. Nobody right. loves dry fire. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's a big, big into huge industry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so wrapping up this episode, I do want to talk a little bit, uh, since we have a little bit of time, about working with your spouse. So <laughs> mm. what is it like, you know, um, working all day together, coming mm-hmm. home together? Are there like non-negotiables or rules that you guys have had to, you know, put in when it comes to business? Um, not really. I mean, that'd probably be smart to do that. We haven't done it. <laughs> I mean, after 27 years, we, we sort of have our dynamic in place. Do you know what I mean? As a couple. Yeah. And um, you know, we have, we have, a, we don't have a perfect marriage. We have a good marriage and we love each other. And so it's, uh, it does present a, a, a unique set of challenges because it introduces a different dynamic into the marriage. Right. Um, but, um, but Tara has been invaluable in the growth of Notch and just like, even just the simple things about how things look around here, they would look way worse <laughs> if it was just me. <laughs> so, um, and she's, uh, she's definitely a, uh, uh, driver like she'll you know if there's a project that -hmm. needs to get done she's the one that drives to make sure that it gets done um so she brings a a whole totally different set of skills than I bring that that's a huge compliment to it so um so we we end up you know we talk about it at the dinner table we wake up and we talk about it we talk about it when we're going to bed and the kids are like uh, not not notch don't just don't talk about anything but notch please so I'm guilty I love my mother but she's a florist um, and she'd come home talk about flowers and I was the yes. flower delivery girl and then my dad's like can we not talk about flowers <laughs> yeah but it's you know it's like part of you it spills it over into everything really so it's hard not to and um but we do we do take time uh every once in a while we'll take time like whether it's a vacation or a couple of days away and just try not to work and try not to talk about it um, as much as we can because that's healthy too you know yeah. to to have some some downtime absolutely um and raising your kids around entrepreneurship I was going to touch on that too um I learned from both my parents my dad was an entrepreneur on the side hustle mom mm-hmm. was an entrepreneur finally made it out of the the you know part-time job or side hustle to real life 
Uh, nice. What's that like raising kids around entrepreneurship? What do you want them to learn? Um, I mean, we hope they've seen that like their only limitations are self-imposed. Like you can, you can really do just about anything you want to. Um, and so, you know, they, we hope they've seen hard work, you know, good work ethic and, and creativity and, um, and also compassion, you know, wanting to make a difference. Um, so you hope they pick those things up sometimes, you know, I, I, we know that they have in some case, like some of those instances, they've definitely, it's made an impact. Um, and I think it'll, that'll only grow as they get older and mature um because they're 20 and 17 yeah um, now but um it's been cool they've they've gotten to have a lot of cool experiences like we've been we've sponsored nascar drivers and we we went to a race in on the truck series a really awesome guy named timothy peters and and it was at the phoenix international raceway first nascar race we had ever been to we're sitting there on the on the owner's box like right at the pits and timothy wins the race that night so we end up in winner's circle you know on fox sports one with him and i'm like who gets to do this kind of stuff you know it's, right. it's it was awesome um and then they got to go out to new york city with us when we were on fox and friends so there have been a lot of like little cool things um that they've seen we got to we took our oldest on a trip to tokyo uh for his high school graduation and um, got to visit a couple of stores there in Tokyo that carry the hats. And so they get to see like the, the far reaching effects the of, you know, what we've done. So you don't um, want to adopt a 28 year old, do you? Like this, <laughs> yeah, we're, all, we're all full up. We're all full up. <laughs> That's so yeah, cool. So, yeah. It's been have, fun. Have they uh, swept floors or packed boxes or Yes. Yeah. yeah yeah they have they both uh have worked actually they both still currently work for the business on a, sort of a, like a part-time basis so our youngest he uh every week he goes around to the stores in town and merchandises the the displays to make sure that they're clean and stocked and um and then our oldest has done quite a bit of tech packing for us so when you design or develop a new style you do renderings first and those are called tech packs so he's um both of them are really i mean every parent says this so it's kind of embarrassing but both really smart kids yeah. you know all a's and whatever but uh but he's doing um uh learning software engineering with an emphasis in game design is what he wants to do brilliant um, yeah so he's really good with computers and uh has done a lot of cool design stuff for us so it's fun you know they get to have their hands on a little bit still yeah oh and you need to put in that sweat equity <laughs> yeah but they both want to do their own thing i think they i don't think they want to you know, they're not haven't expressed any interest in coming in and working for us long term, which is fine. You know, like it's, you know, I mean, would I be a, a good florist? <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Guns and flowers. I don't know. <laughs> no, not, not yeah. quite there yet. <laughs> so I got to ask, what's your favorite notch gear hat? My favorite is definitely the adjustable tan operator, which was the very first operator we did. Okay. Um, to me, I don't know. They're all great. Um, and it used to be another one, but now it's my tan operator. It's just it. really comfortable. It's, it's really dirty and, and kind of ratty at this point, but, um, like it's just, what true hat owners love. Exactly. It's like broken in. And, um, what's funny about the tan operator is for most of like, I think all the ones you have, we do a Velcro strap with the hair safe Velcro on the back yes. for the, yes. for the closure. Yeah. 
the tan operator uh, i don't think you have one but it's the only one we did with a metal slide well, adjustment so still has that um so no it's, it's different than that okay it's different than that um but similar so um and it's one of those kind of quirky things like <laughs> we've just never changed it over and made it the same as all of the other adjustable <laughs> operators um so i don't know it's got a it's got a special place in my heart because it's the first operator that Love we it. did yeah you gotta have a favorite <laughs> right so um wrapping all this up what's been i guess the most rewarding thing about about notch gear uh i think the most rewarding thing is just watching it grow watching you know being able to you know provide a place for people to work and you know provide a, a good work environment has been really rewarding but um, just watching it grow and seeing, I think one of the most rewarding things besides our partnership with Children's Hunger Fund is when we get contacted by a brand that, that I know and have respect for, yeah. that's like, wow, it's such, a, it's such an honor and it's really cool. And um, like going back to JD, um, he's also sponsored by Oakley Standard Issue. And um, so I've been an Oakley fan for years, you know, and I've, I've worn exclusively Oakley with, I think, one exception for the last 25 years. Oh, wow. Um, and JD did a post like a year and a half ago and tagged both of us. And then Oakley Standard Issue did a post and tagged us. Oh, wow. And it was like that moment when, you know, the brand that you basically like look up to. Mm -hmm. recognizes you as another brand is pretty special oh yeah that's amazing looking yeah. back did you ever imagine uh this would be where you're at right now no um sometimes we lose sight of it you know it's like sometimes you you forget to sit back and appreciate how far you've come because in my mind we still have so far to go right um but when like my wife's sister is in town right now she came by notch and you know, showed her around uh, earlier this week. And she was like, just kept ooing and aahing about how amazing it was. And it's like, you kind of forget to appreciate yeah. like how far we have come. So yeah, still a long, long way to go. Um, I don't have any illusions about how big we are, but, but I am excited about where we are and excited about where we're going. Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of shooters can relate to when, when we talk about when we're at matches, oh, Jerry was there. And they're like, Jerry Mitchell, Lena was there. What? Or like these big <laughs> pro shooters, you know, and like for us, that's normal, especially when we go right. to shot show and we see all those big names. And then you're mm -hmm. like, oh, I have to forget that I once was that I still am probably that giddy little person. So excited to be there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And everybody starts somewhere. Nobody, yeah. you know, everybody starts at zero you know, unless you're some big group with tons of investors and you can start at 60, everybody starts at zero. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so how do people find your store online and on social media? So we're notchgear.com is our website and we have all of our hats available there. Um, and on social media, we're also notchgear. So we're at notchgear on Instagram and notchgear on Facebook. And uh, you can find us there and connect with us. We're, we'd love to talk with you, chat with you and sell you a few hats. Love it. Love it. Anything else you want to leave the people with Paul? <laughs> uh, Kenzie, we just appreciate you having, having me on and um, it was a lot of fun. It was great getting to talk to you and chat with you again. First time we've actually connected this way. Uh, and first time we, I think we've talked 
like seeing each other since SHOT Show. So I appreciate it. Absolutely. This is good. Thank you so much for being on here. And hopefully this, uh, this inspired some entrepreneurs out there. So if you're listening, stay tuned next week. Paul, thanks again. Thanks, Kenzie. Thanks for listening to the Reticle Up podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Follow along on social media at Reticle Up or 3 Gun Kenzie.